to the Andrea K show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT, I'm dynamite. show. I am so glad to be here. Even though I'm, I'm a little hungover from the holiday weekend, and I don't mean from drugs. I just mean from all the relaxing that took place this weekend. I kind of had no choice but to relax because here in San Diego, it was like 90 degrees at the coast. But it was an awesome Labor Day weekend. I hope you guys had a great Labor Day weekend yourselves. We've got to have continued prayers for the victims of Harvey down in Texas, and we've also got a Category 5 storm that's out brewing uh, somewhere in the Atlantic Caribbean area that's headed its way. If the projections look accurate, it might end up along maybe even the panhandle of Florida, maybe the Gulf Coast, Mississippi area. So we're going to keep watch on that. We'll see if there's any developments during the show for that. Um, glad to be back in the studio, joined by DJ Carrot Sticks. DJ Carrot Sticks. <laughs> y'all could see his face. He just has so much fun when he does that. Speaking of faces, I don't know if y'all watching notice anything different, but I kind of got new DJ Carrot Sticks finally convinced me to get rid of them old big headphones and go with something a little bit sleeker. So I'm, I'm checking that out uh, today. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, drugs, as I was prepping for today's show, I got to realizing how the common through line of all the hot topics I had to talk about today was really drug oriented. We There was a big announcement today that President Trump had decided to overturn an illegal action that was done by a man drunk with his own power who went around 29 times saying that the U.S. Constitution did not allow him to do the DACA, quote, Dreamer Act. And then he just decided to whip out that pen of his drunk on his own power and do something that Congress had specifically denied doing multiple times in the past. So we've got an immigration attorney who's going to be here to talk about DACA and what that means. Um, part of, It wasn't just about power for uh, President Obama in terms of the executive order, but also the power that gets amassed when you increase the dependency class by having more and more people come into this country, end up dependent, and vote Democrat. So we have that going on. We are going to actually talk about the opioid epidemic with a doctor. Dr. Keith Ablo is going to be here. I've been wanting to have him on to talk about this for a while, and I'm glad he's on here now because as we've got budgets coming out in the fall, uh, you know, we gotta, we've got to deal with this because we have a crisis in this country, and it comes down to a question of whose responsibility is it and how we're going to pay for it. Because we've got, like, we've got the drug of power going on in D.C. We've also got the drug of taxes to where the, the, the politicians are just drunk spending money that is not theirs to spend. So we got to talk to Keith Ablow about that. He says that he's got a solution, actually, that, that, you know, is something that to me seems like it's about personal responsibility and not about the power uh, that comes from the intoxication of taxes. But then we got to have my man Al Arias here to talk about taxes, because you guys will not believe the crazy these politicians are so drunk on spending other people's money because that's also about power, because ultimately that's really what the what the most intoxicating drug is for these politicians. So we got to talk about this tax plan that I haven't seen talked about anywhere in the mainstream media. But, you know, this it's, it's an example. We're going to get into that later with Al, but let me tell you. 
the Republican Party better get on board with doing something for taxes and tax reform because every day the left is looking, is so drunk on power and looking to amass more power and looking to transform America from the constitutional republic that it was to a socialist, Marxist, communist society. Pick whatever ism, socialism, fascism, Marxism, communism, pick an ism because it's some, some form of that. That's what they are, are drunk on, on doing to us. They're drunk on the fantasy of that. And they work every minute of every day to push that agenda on us. Then we're going to wrap up the show with our awards for Stink of the Week and Hero of the Week. And you might be surprised as to um, my Hero of the Week is. So I'm excited to have that. Thanks to everybody who's watching and commenting on Facebook. I got to say hi to my buddy Zell and to Roger and Megan Everybody, uh, please do me a favor, if you would, and um, be sure to share the video. And I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody commenting. I'm curious. Um, I got to tell you guys, I have not spoken to my immigration attorney who's coming up next. Her name is Esther Valdez. She is not just an, uh, an immigration attorney here in San Diego. She is also the was named as the rising star of the year in the San Diego County Republican Party. So I'm kind of curious how a Republican is also an immigration attorney and kind of what she has to say about DACA. But I will tell you before we go to the break that I am absolutely thrilled with this decision by President Trump. This is leadership. This is a restoration of the rule of law. This is a rebuke on an overreaching dictator with a pen who cared nothing at about at all about this country, about the people of this country. And while Americans were Americans who were either born here or became naturalized citizens who came here legal in this country, while they were suffering under true catastrophe, that's the word I'm looking for. We actually had people, illegals, marking, they didn't care about them. They didn't care about the American dream that was underwater in Houston. No, they cared about the entitlement. That they were trying to force down the throats of the American people. That's what they were marching for. They weren't down there helping anybody. And to me, that says it all about these dreamers. This dreamer act that is basically a nightmare for Americans if it's not under control. Because it really represented the worst of the um, addiction to power that is going on in D.C. So we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk to immigration attorney Esther Valdez. This is the Andrea K. Show. Don't go anywhere. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. 
to have you all here with me. Before the break, we were talking about the common thread with all the topics on today's Andrea K show, and it's re- it, it's really about drugs. It's about the intoxication of of power, power through illegal legislation, power through taxes and spending other people's money. We also have a legitimate drug problem here in this country. We're going to talk to Dr. Keith Ablu about that um, in, in a little bit on the show. But to me, as I said before the break, I look at this DACA um, illegal order, executive order that President Obama per, uh, perpetrated on the American people. And to me, it represented all of the above in terms of, of an intoxic- uh, in the drug of power and using power against the American people. Joining me now, I'm curious to see what my next guest has to say about all this. She, she is San Diego immigration attorney, Esther Valdez. Esther, welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Thank you for having me. Okay, so um, the decision that everybody had been waiting for, a decision that President Trump had prom- a campaign promise of his that he would end the DACA program uh, was announced today. It was actually announced by Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who I thought gave a brilliant explanation as to why. First and foremost, because this was an unconstitutional law. 29 times President Obama went around telling the, the world the truth, that he did not have the right under the Constitution to use his... Um, pen that he was addicted to for his power to do this and then he turned right around and did it and the by removing that executive order today i think we have a rule of law restored in america at least for this particular uh, action what are your thoughts Absolutely. I'm a Latina. I'm the daughter of immigrants. I was born here. My family was not. They are all naturalized citizens. And I agree wholeheartedly. DACA was indispensable at the time it was penned. We're a nation of laws, not judicial, not by presidential fiat, not a a dictatorship. And I wholeheartedly agree. What I do disagree in is that we do need to legalize these dreamers. Why? Demographically, militarily, economically, for labor, America is demographically in decline. And we do rely on the labor of these young people. Approximately 2.1 million young people, mostly Latino youth, will need to enter our ranks whether we like it or not. The average age of of the Caucasian population in America, uh, at least in the last census, is about 56 years of age. The average Latino is nine. Who is going to wage war in 20 years if we deport these young people? Whether or not they get work permits now, that's not the issue. The issue is and has always been residence. Okay, so um, let's break down a couple of things you said. Um, first First of all, in terms of needing to give them citizenship. Um, I think before, well, let me even back up. You said that we need them for the labor force. My understanding is that most of them that are currently here right now of, of the population are actually, at least I'm told, they're college age or younger. So from a, from a work standpoint, we've got to be talking about in the future because, you know, supposedly the argument in, in keeping them here is because they are too young to be working. And how can we tear the, how can we tear children apart from their families? So I'm a little confused as to how they can be considered a vital part of our workforce when the people pushing for them to, to stay here have been arguing that they're too young to be separated. Second I of all, we represented over hundreds, over 300 DACA or Dreamer recipients. I am an immigration attorney based in San Diego. And if you recall, this law was passed in 2012. And what it says was, if you were 31 age or under, and if you met all of the eligibility requirements, which means five years on, the eldest of the DACA recipients are approximately 36. So they're not college age. They're not little babies. 
they and they're not exclusively college age. They're already in our workforce. Okay. I think okay. uh, Facebook and a lot of the Silicon Valley titans even issued a statement saying they're already our coworkers. In fact, I employ one in okay. my office. She's oh. a dreamer as well as all of her family. Okay, so, so let me interrupt it. College age because I want to make sure we maximize all the time that we have together. Okay, so let's say their average age in their thirties. So then, if they were so vital to our workforce, then why would we have such the high unemployment that we have? So again, you know, I think I would need a little bit more information to prove that because part of the problem that we've had, those of us who've been fighting the open border society, is oh, we got to bring all these people out of the shadows. That's one argument. But then when we say okay, well then what? Let's bring them out of the shadows because we really don't know the truth. We really don't know the details. Mm-hmm. It's like we keep getting details given to us when it when it's convenient, then told well they're in the shadows when it's convenient. So I'm not really sure we really know the facts they the numbers don't seem to bear up but here's my my concern um in terms of let's say somebody's got got a job and that job you know can't be filled by another american i i would i would want that to be proven to me i would want to, i want i want some more facts to actually be investigated and proven to me then then that's about keeping them here then it gets into a discussion about citizenship if somebody's doing a job maybe they have the right to, maybe what we do is we give them the right to be here under a work permit, but we don't make we don't reward somebody citizenship when we have how many Mexicans and other people around the world that are waiting in line respecting our laws. Why why would they be why would they be rewarded with something that that argument does not apply to approximately two point one million young people who entered here even without their knowledge. All of those arguments, they were born and raised just like you and I in America. And some of them never even found out they were not American until they couldn't apply for college. So I understand. And all of your arguments seem to be centered around, well, if they're here working. What about the military? What about all of the taxes that we have been able to benefit from? Who's going to support all the social programs in the declining baby boomer generation that's going to need Social Security? Who's paying the taxes? The young people. Demographically, the average Hispanic woman has 3.1 children. To every Caucasian woman, which is 2.1. And I'm not getting racial here. I'm just getting to the cold, hard facts of the people having children and the youth who will fight our wars in jihad and abroad will be uh, Hispanic youth. And well, I'm saying, uh, would they be his, would they be Hispanic? hundred thousand to get to stay here. Okay, Esther, let me, let, is yeah. Enormous. Well, this is the first time that anybody's brought the argument to me that we're just not having enough babies in this country. Maybe then what we need to do is stop funding Planned Parenthood and stop killing babies. And then amen. maybe we might, then, then maybe we might have more. Or how about this? Amen. How about, how about we seal our border? We kick out everybody who, who disrespected us and came here, including bringing their children here. Because you know what? It One of the things that where, where these Dreamers, and I hate that term dreamers because it's such it's such a an, an attack on the American people with the PC bully stick that if that if you have a problem with them being here, something's wrong with you and you're heartless. I say what was heartless from people coming here breaking our laws. It's no different than if they broke into my home while I was away on an extended vacation. Then when I came back, they had the nerve to tell me, Well, you know what, I'm here, so I have some entitlement to your home here and your property, and I have the right to stay here. How about we kick all of them out and then we have some immigration laws in place to where we act bring people here to fight the wars for us in the future, to do the jobs that American people aren't skilled for. But we bring people here who have enough respect for us to come here lawfully. And I would take it even further than that. It's not just the parents' fault. Let's point the figure at the Mexican government that creates and perpetrates a cycle of poverty and allows their poor that they don't even want. They discard them over to our nation's borders. Finally, when we are setting down the rule of law, which is correct, 
This is completely unconstitutional what Barack Obama did. Finally, we're setting the rule of law and they don't know what to do and they don't even want them back. So the true separation happened in Mexico when a poor family had to be separated at that point. At this point, nobody's getting deported because we have a six-month reprieve to be able to reapply for DACA. And remember, it is a work permit. But these young people are paying into a system that if they are deported, they will never benefit from. It created a secondhand citizenry under Barack Obama, which was lethal to this this situation, this immigration situation. And the ball is properly in the court of Congress. We're not rewarding. It is a matter of humanitarian need and recognizance and acknowledgement of America's need for a vital, useful workforce, which the population demands and requires for manufacturing, hospitality travel, education. I serve on the school board in my city in Coronado. Demographically, we need more students. And well, you know, we've got I, we've got a far better way. We've got a far better way of enhancing our workforce than by allowing our op- our borders to be um, um, to be uh, trespassed on and it, through an invasion from people who come here. And oh, by the way, if, if part of the resentment that people have against this group of people is because as as this issue was brought to life. We didn't have all these young people, whatever ages they are, however circumstances they were brought here. We did not have them. I'm going to just be really honest with you. We did not have That's them correct. say, say, you know what? Um, I, I, my parents broke the law and perpetrated a crime against the good, hardworking American taxpayers. And I am sorry on behalf of my family that they did that. I'm innocent of that. But I I ask for forgiveness on the part of the American people. I promise to be a good person. And oh, by the way, thank you so much to the American people for your generosity, for, di- for discriminating against American people by giving us benefits like in-state tuition that is systemic discrimination against taxpaying Americans. Thank you for all the benefits that you hardworking American taxpayers have bestowed upon us. And, you know, if I am allowed to stay, I will go to the back of the line, blah, 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 blah. Instead, what we have is all these people doing documentaries, bad-mouthing Americans, bad-mouthing Trump, and um, acting with a sense of entitlement, so much so that even in high schools, we're not allowed for uh, an American kid to wear a flag on Cinco de Mayo. Their behavior um, and sense of entitlement here has is, is really I been atrocious. With that characterization, I think that's a lot of the media spin and a lot of the Hispanic media perpetrating that myth. The vast majority, and I speak all over California, from north to south and in Arizona, the vast majority want to serve. In fact, we had a MAVNI program specially designed for young people who weren't residents, and they wanted to serve America. Let them fight. Give them a chance. They want to be cops. They want to follow the rule of law. Remember, let's not work. That's not who we are as America. We don't visit the sins of the father on the child. And they are. Actually, grateful. we do. Actually, they we do. Grateful. Let me interrupt because I've only got two minutes left. Actually, we do. When we have an American citizen who, who breaks the law here and has to go to prison, we separate families that the children suffer as a result of the actions of the parents. So we actually do that in this country. We do. The, the sins of the father actually do get suffered on the children in this country. Uh, not legally. And I am an attorney. So not legally. We don't revisit that. And what you're asking for them is to self-deport, which isn't what the law is requiring of them now. What is required is that Congress find a solution for a sliver of the undocumented here. We have well over 11 to 18 people who are undocumented here, unauthorized immigrants. This is the best, the cream of the crop. I think it behooves America to at least 
listen to what we have to lose if we deport these young people. They are the best and the brightest of my community. I am well, Latina. I, and I, I just what, ask that they want to serve. Give them the chance. Well, I, I agree with you. On, criminally. Right. I agree with you on some so aspects. They have no record. I agree with you on some aspects and some others. The characterization that all 11 and, and uh, that we, we don't even know how many are here. First of all, they're not undocumented. You know, as a lawyer, that undocumented is like my, uh, well, un, uh, they're illegal. Uh, undocumented is like my friend, uh, you, you know, who went to Jamaica and had too many rum punches and lost his passport. Coming here illegally is not somebody who just misplaced their passport. They're here illegally. And oh, by the way, we know all the crimes that are being committed by so many illegals here from drunk driving. We had a kid here in San Diego, a little boy who had been, you know, suffered, I don't even know the latest, severe head trauma from an illegal who had been deported 15 times and I don't know how many DUIs. Well, so we got to make sure we understand that, that, we, that, that there that. are a large Did percentage you? of those coming here committing crimes. Otherwise, Kate Steinle would be alive today. Did you know that their parents face penalties for smuggling their own children, which means the child never knew? They never I knew. get all that. So and their I, parents, when they try to legalize, face smuggling charges, which is the law's implementation properly. Okay? Right. So, again, if they're already declared innocent of having done wrong, why punish them further? Let them become legal. It's only 800000 and we do need them because of the reasons, because of the abortion, because of 54 million mm-hmm. aborted missing American children. The, the Bible says, as you, if you read clearly, it says, I will give your land to the foreigner as a curse for killing your own children. And that is why I'm so adamant about this, because we see the word of God coming into effect. It is not without repercussions when we kill our own children in our nation. And then we we want our mm-hmm. schools and our hospitals populated. They're coming from another country. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. And I agree on a lot of your points. But I also have to see it as a Christian. And I see that Roe v. Wade devastated entire communities, devastated right. schools and cities. And now what we're seeing is a whole other demographic rising up and is still having children in defiance of the Pharaoh's orders. And that is why I ask for clemency. I am Latina. And I work with these young people. And if every opportunity I have, I, I just sound the alarm and say, America, we need this. We well, need this. From 1973, <clears throat> 55 million aborted Americans. We have 55 million Hispanics here. I don't think that's a, that's by chance or well, by luck. Well, I, 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 well, I can, you know, I also recently sat on a panel with a lot of African-Americans who are Trump supporters and who feel resentful of the fact that an entire nation with 55 or 60 million that came here um, in large part illegally um, have kind of taken over and taken jobs from them. So there's there's and, and they're they are a community that was decimated uh, by abortion. So, I, you know, I it is complicated in, in some ways. You know, I don't know that the solution um, to, uh, you know, um, and I always, I really don't have time to get into the biblical, biblical aspects, but one of the things I, I always disagree with when I'm debating liberals is, is they want to argue that, you know, Jesus would be socialist. And, you know, no. what, what so much of this is about, and the reason why, the, the, getting back to my drug analogy, the reason why uh, both parties have allowed the open borders is so that they can amass a, a larger dependency class for power. And it, the ta- dis- dismantling the greatest nation in the face of the earth and destroying us economically through bad immigration policy is not the Christian thing to do. And it is not compassion. 
as Jeff Sessions said today. One of my best friends since I moved to San Diego is also a Latina who grew up in, in Tijuana and her family all came here uh, legally. And I will tell you at one point after we went to lunch at the old Chewy's, which isn't in business anymore, down under the bridge and I needed to pump some gas, she wouldn't get out of the car for me. I said, what are you talking about? These are your people. She says, they aren't my people, man. My people came here legally and, you know, I'm, I'm not about some of these, you know, um, some of the, she was, she herself didn't feel safe in some communities in San Diego. So, you know, I, I kind of get a lot of your points. Um, but, you know, I think that, um, I guess I got to wrap it with this. You've made some excellent points today. I think that I would be, I think that myself and others would be okay with a lot of these guys staying here if they didn't receive special benefits to the detriment of the American taxpayer and that we sealed the border and we stopped it from happening further. Final thought? I wholeheartedly agree with some of your viewpoints, but also if we're talking about justice, there's also mercy. And again, if anyone is is entitled to a little bit of mercy or consideration, it would be this group. They haven't committed any felonies because that's part of the eligibility process. They have been vetted. They are here. They speak English like you and I. And, you know, and I would contradict your friends. These are my people. I am Latina and I did enter here legally. But if I see a young person suffer as a Christian, I've got to step up and speak for the oppressed and the voiceless. And just like the aborted children, this is what we're seeing. It's We're talking about children again. Esther Valdez, so, thank you so much for being here. I think that's one of the best conversations I've ever had with anybody on a very sensitive subject. And I appreciate God so much your you. efforts in being here. God bless you. Thank you. All right. We're running past time. we got to switch gears and talk about a, another crisis happening in this country and is the opioid epidemic with Dr. Keith Ablo when we get back. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me. Super interesting conversation I just had with Esther Valdez. If those of you listening, um, you know, I'm going to have the podcast back up later. So if you missed out on that, uh, definitely do a rewind on that one, in my opinion. I am so happy to have my next guest with me. Because, you know, at the top of the show, I was talking about the analogy of the of drug addictions in this country. We've got we've got an addiction to all kinds of drugs in this country from power to taxes. Those are the two big intoxicants in D.C. But we've also got an actual drug epidemic in this country. And I've been wanting to have Dr. Keith Abloh with me for a while to talk about this. Hi, doctor. Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. 
Hey, Andrew, it's Keith. How are you? Hey, good, thanks. Um, thanks for coming back. Um, so, of course. The opioid crisis and epidemic. One of the reasons why I reached out to you again is because I don't know if you know, but Ohio, well, I know that you know that Ohio is one of the states with the biggest problems of an epidemic. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure why Ohio itself is. Ohio, and actually the town that I have family in, Chillicothe, Ohio, uh, the Ross County commissioners have actually filed a lawsuit against what they call the big three pharmaceuticals, uh, basically blaming them for the crisis and saying that um, because they they violated the Corrupt Practices Act, their conduct has resulted in uh, foreseeable widespread, um, you know, opioids in the illicit market, creating a serious public health and safety crisis. Um, you know, got me thinking about who's really responsible for this crisis. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, uh, I think that we've been slow to mount a response to the crisis. So you've got young people and some older people, but young people around America uh, who are overdosing and beyond those, beyond the deaths, people whose lives are laid to ruins uh, by the fact that they are dependent on these drugs. And we haven't, as you know, I've spoken to you a bit before about this, we haven't deployed the some of the most credible solutions to getting people off this stuff so number one yes there's a question of law enforcement why can't we interdict the shipment of this material secondly uh, there's a question why can't we roll out some of the more effective treatments for these people so lives can be saved what are some of the treatments because right now we're, we're about to go into a time for a new budget and President Trump and others have said that they want to allocate billions of dollars for treatments. And I'm thinking, wait a second, we're, we're $20 trillion in debt as a nation. We've got American citizens suffering right now in Houston to a, a catastrophe we haven't seen before, even worse than Katrina. We've got a Category 5 now out heading towards America. Well, you know, where is these billions of dollars going to go? And how do we know as American citizens? I'm a little resentful. Resent- well, how do we even know that this is actually going to even go for treatment that's actually going to solve the problem? So a couple of things. One is, first of all, there is a medicine called Vivitrol, which, if injected on a monthly basis, will prevent people from being able to really enjoy opiates. It stands in the way of opiates meeting the opiate receptor. Now, most, I would argue, that first-time offenders who are arrested for opiate possession, no less you know, distribution of drugs, uh, should get mandatory if they don't want to go to jail as part of their probation or continued without a finding sentence. Uh, here in Massachusetts, it's called continued without a finding. You go to court, they say, look, if you're bad again, we're going to enforce this sentence. Well, part of the condition should be, listen, you're going to be getting a monthly injection of this medicine, and that's going to forestall your use of this substance. But there's another treatment, which I've become very much involved with a group called the Holistic Sanctuary in Mexico. Now, why Mexico? Mexico, because we can't use in the United States ayahuasca, which is a plant-based medicine. I've sent three people down to the Holistic Sanctuary, and each of them came back off opiates, off all drugs of abuse. That kind of record 
means that we in this country should be doing pilot projects Mm -hmm. to see whether in certain states, I don't care what the qualifications are, maybe you say, look, you have to have overdosed twice and survived. Then we'll make the ayahuasca available in a trial manner. But the bottom line is this stuff seems to work, and we're going to wait 20 years for the FDA to say okay. Well, what is, what, I don't understand, what is ayahuasca, and why, why do we not have it here? Well, we don't have it here because it causes hallucin- it can cause hallucinations and out-of-body experiences. So it's a drug of abuse, in a sense, in some okay. settings. But look, people travel to Peru, why, and other countries, and they do it in the worst of circumstances when they can't get better from some forms of psychiatric illness, including addiction. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know now that a lot of the things that we threw out, like ketamine, and other things like psilocybin. We said, these are horrible things. They're drugs, street drugs. Mm-hmm. Well, turns out, harnessed for good, they can be miraculous. I've said, all I can tell you is there's a weird dichotomy. What doctors do for their own kids or would advise some, sometimes and unfortunately turns out to be very different than what they would tell you to do for your kids. I try to make that difference nothing. So if somebody has a child now who has had trouble with opiates, can't seem to get off, and has been to two or three detoxes with no results, I would say, just like I'd say about my own kid, we're going down to the holistic sanctuary Mm -hmm. in Mexico, we're going to get help. And I think that legislators should start rabble-rousing and saying, Mm -hmm. wait a second, we got a problem in this state, we got to start a pilot program. Yeah, because I don't like in the state of Ohio, for example, okay, they've got a major crisis there. How in the world is filing a lawsuit against the pharmaceuticals going to solve anybody's addiction problem? That, uh, you you know, know, filing a lawsuit against the pharmaceutical company, look, at, here's the thing. First of all, thank God for some of these pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. You know what? Some people can't function without oxycodone and the mm-hmm. rest. And, and guess what? Here's the thing. The problems with addicts are, are rarely, I would venture about the pharmaceutical you give them. Look, I had shoulder surgery. It was awful. Mm -hmm. As soon as I could get off the oxycodone, I was like, look, this is interfering with my ability to go back to work, which I love. Get me off this. If you're somebody who is vulnerable to addiction, Mm -hmm. then sure. But the problem's not in the bottle. The problem's in the person. And that, that, yeah. And so it really becomes about a personal responsibility issue. And that's why, you know, it comes back to I see billions of dollars going towards treatment taken from taxpayers. Why is it any, why is it some taxpayer in um, Arizona's responsibility to pay for somebody's personal treatment, you know, in Ohio because they've got, you know, a drug problem? You know, I I don't know. Makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, but then again, what do we do with all these millions of Americans addicted to drugs? I mean, do we just, you know, let them. You know, let them, you know, let nature take its course. Well, no, I don't don't think you do. I I think I think you've got to empower the courts. So many of these people run into trouble, by the way. It's vehicle trouble, right? It's it's something on the highways. It's theft. Mm -hmm. It's whatever. If you were to drug test these folks and come up with positive opiate tests and then deploy required treatment, that would be a big, big step forward. But the treatment's got to work. And the truth is some people go to 10, 12 detoxes and rehab centers. They spend their their entire family's net worth. Mm -hmm. They'll spend on treatment that doesn't work. 
I think it's time to look at ayahuasca. If yeah. the Trump administration is serious, if the governor of your state or of New Hampshire or of anywhere else is serious, you got to look to what works. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It actually works. Well, it, I'm, I'm really fascinated with how a drug that can make you hallucinate can actually get you off of, of the opiates. But if you're but if you're just replacing one addiction with another, what have you solved? Well, no, you know what? These folks don't go and seek out ayahuasca again. So if you would think of it this way, that sometimes a very powerful neurochemical will reset things. And so, of course, when you take it, there might be unusual perceptions that you have, very bright colors, a sense of disorientation, depersonalization. But if what that's doing is resetting the nervous system so that you, of course, in the setting of taking it, you have extraordinary occurrences, perceptions. Mm -hmm. But thereafter, if you are then able to say, you know what, I don't want to go near the other stuff. For some reason, I feel now on much more solid footing, Mm -hmm. and I don't feel the cravings I did, Mm -hmm. and I want my life to go forward. So, you know, for me, it's like three base hits or three home runs. I send three people down to this place, that holistic, the, the holistic sanctuary, mm-hmm. and I get three people coming back that I was scared every day. I wonder if I'll get a call yeah. that, that Jordan's dead. I wonder yeah. if I'll get a call, right? And, and if those people are back to college and back to work as they are and substance-free, then I have to sort of there's, like yeah, you know look up and say, wait a second, right. this now, what stuff a, seems to be in the same vein as all the other things they're uh, looking at now, like psilocybin, saying, wait, it seems to cure PTSD. I guess you know if it's not a drug of abuse and it's a medicine, it could be a very powerful one. Yeah, you know it's interesting because you know we've got this this drug problem here in this country that's a major problem. Yet yet at the same time we've got all these states saying, you know what, we just need to legalize more illicit drugs like. Marijuana, and you know, it just yeah. it, it just uh, you know, I don't want to get off on a marijuana track, but to me, it's just it's mm-hmm. kind of odd to me. What about holding the doctors responsible? Because clearly, doctors have a role in this when they continue to over uh, prescribe for somebody. You know, I broke my left shoulder, and you know, if I had gone back after, uh, you know, two months later, still trying to get more Vicodin, I, you know what I mean? It's like a, it, for a doctor to yeah. continue well, to prescribe that, it would have been obvious. Yeah, I guess. Look, there there are bad doctors like there are bad anything. People who are trying to make money mm-hmm. prescribing this stuff ad nauseum. Those guys need to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what's happened is that because we won't hold people responsible and say, wait mm-hmm. a second, you knew you were going to four different doctors. Right. You're an addict. It would have been something else. It would have been cocaine. It would have been crack. Yeah. Uh, the bottom line is because of that, now you've got doctors paralyzed. Yeah. So you get people who have legit, horrible back pain, terrible injuries, horrible mm-hmm. migraines. They can't get medicine. Yeah. These are very useful medicines for non-addicts because we're letting the addict, like the, the tail wagging the dog, we're like, oh, well, we can't possibly prescribe these to anybody. Look, you might be addicted. Guess what? People need to take personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. They know whether they're fibbing about having lost their prescription. Right. That's called being an addict. Well, first of all, if it weren't oxycodone, it would be Coke or something else. Well, I do know that there is some, a personal chemistry thing. I have a certain amount of sympathy to it because I, medicines by and large, painkillers don't actually don't work on me. And I was even told by my dentist that it takes far more to, you know, knock me out and to numb me than it even does some 200 
something plus yeah. pounds men. So there's got to be I know so I know I recognize that there's some chemistry that has to do well, with it. But but that doesn't ne- that doesn't mitigate or negate somebody's individual responsibility. And you know, well, I, go ahead. Final thoughts. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Listen, I'm 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 graced by God. When I drink alcohol, I just get tired. So I don't drink it. Other people feel euphoric, and mm-hmm. they're a setup to use more of it. But then it still comes down, Andrea, as you just said. Then the person still has to determine, hey, this stuff makes me feel like a million bucks. It's a different person who says, therefore, I'm going to drink myself under the table, forget my responsibilities to my kids and my community. Mm-hmm. That's a different person than someone who says, so I better not touch it. Right. All right. Well, um, thank you, Dr. Keith Ablo, for being here. I'm going to do, uh, you know, some more research on this holistic sanctuary and this ayahuasca. That is just fascinating to me. And um, I hope that you'll come back on the show as we continue to, to fight this problem as a nation. Thanks so much, Dr. Keith Ablo, for being here. I would love to. Thanks for having me, Andrea. Alrighty. Okay, we are going to shift gears because now my man, Silky Alarius, is joining me. We're going to take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to talk about taxes. Y'all would not believe the crazy tax plan coming out of the left. I can't wait to get Al's reaction. Stay tuned. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. I'm having such a good time on the show today. I'm a little bit calmed down. And things got a little heated with Miss Esther Valdez, rising star of the San Diego Republican Party and immigrant attorney earlier on the show, talking about President Trump's DACA decision and what we're going to do with the 800,000 uh, dreamers that are here. Uh, thanks to my past guest, Dr. Keith Ablo, talking about this opiate crisis. Uh, you know, drugs, that, that's the topic of today's Andrea K. Show. We've got a drug addiction in this country. We've got an addiction to power. That we saw that at play with DACA, where we had we had, we had a man drunk on his own power with a pen, deciding to legislate from the Oval Office with this DACA bill that was absolutely completely unconstitutional. Congratulations, President Trump, for fulfilling a campaign promise as well as restoring the the Constitution. Um, I'm inter- I'm fascinated. I'm going to do some more research on this holistic sanctuary that Dr. Keith Ablo was talking about. Speaking of Mexico, who knew that they might have the answer to the opioid problem here in America? So stay tuned for future on that. Joining me now, though, is the man, the silky smooth, the Spicoli of taxes, because he's so chill, Al Arias. <laughs> hey, baby, you weren't chill during the break, though. You told me you, what happened to you over the holiday break? What happened to you over the holiday? 
Oh, I stupidly left my bag in uh, my car, and uh, the car is parked outside of the garage because mm-hmm. it's an old one. Yeah. And broke in and stole my bag. Ah. So in my bag yes. is more than $1,000. <gasps> right? oh. Four sets of prescription glasses. Oh, and I know, you, I know you have good taste in Diabetic medication. Oh, no. Oh, no. You, you know that bag, huh? Yeah, I know your bag, baby. I know your bag. It has all of my possessions it's except my wife. No, oh, she's not a possession. I forgot. <laughs> but see, okay, now you're, you've mischaracterized the story, though, because you're supposed to play the victim. You're not supposed to say, I stupidly left my bag in the car. You're supposed to say, I'm a victim. I was robbed. And, and the American taxpayer needs to make, my, needs to make me whole and pay me back for the $1,000 that was stolen from me and all my medications. I'm a Republican, baby. Oh, that's right. Well, I'm glad, I didn't even know that happened to you, but I'm glad that, because it really tees up what I wanted to talk to you about today. And it's really about um, that the, our government officials, I think, are drunk and intoxicated on spending other people's money. There is no such thing as government money. We're about to go into the budget debate, and the headlines on Drudge yesterday morning was Harvey is going to change, you know, upend the budget debate. Uh, we, you know, we've got this opioid crisis I was talking to Keith Ablo about. We know that in the budget they're going to put billions of dollars in for, you know, rehabilitation of people that, you know, didn't take care of themselves and got addicted to drugs. And it really, we should be having a conversation in this country about personal responsibility because there is no government money and it is not is it the job and I started posing this question last week and I'm going to pose it to you because I said the lesson out of Katrina was about individual responsibility you and you alone are responsible for your life your personal possessions your home making sure your home is insured against catastrophes and that while while the role of the government should be to provide maybe emergency services make sure you got a roof over your head some drinking water and some food is it the taxpayer's job to basically be the insurance company for your life well, I thought we just got over that in 2008. Yeah? We're all about, we're, we're against big anything, right? Mm-hmm. Except now we're for big government. Yeah. In other words, it's always going this way in the U.S. It goes everywhere. Push, pull, push, pull. And right now, um, basically with Trump in there, it's a conservative overall philosophy mm-hmm. that is not dominant. Right. And so you have uh, the left trying to be dominating mm-hmm. and the right trying to hold the line. Mm-hmm. I actually am not sure that the right's trying to hold the line. I think that they're actually, I think they're just as much big government hacks as the left are, and they've been exposed. That for the eight years of the Obama administration, in which they said they were for sealing the border, they said they were for tax reform and lower taxes, they said that they you know, were for limited government, and they were going to repeal and replace Obamacare, and they just had all the excuses to not do that. Now, they've, now they're out of excuses because they have the power to do all those things. You even had Paul Ryan coming out last week trying to tell President Trump 
don't get rid of DACA. You know, it's Congress's job to come up with immigration laws. Even if you think, whatever you think of the 800,000 uh, young people that were brought here against their will, it was never President Tr- uh, uh, Obama's right under the Constitution to legislate from the White House. But they are still, so I say the Republicans are just as much a, a part of that. And, you know, as we as we have $20 trillion in debt and the Republican Party have an opportunity to fulfill a campaign promise of lowering taxes, because that's how you're going to create jobs. That's how you're going to improve people's prosperity. That's how you're going to be, allow people to put their lives back together. Instead, you know, it's it's the notion that every that all the American taxpayers are every American taxpayer is responsible for everybody else. We just went through that if you give them something, it's very difficult to take it back. Yes. That's Obamacare. Yes. But that's universal. Yes. So now we have, um, what's created the deficit is big spending. Try to take it back. Yeah. Well, it's like DACA. But wait a minute. Try to take it back. Yeah. Good Luck. Right. And every minute of the day, the left is using and exploiting tragedies like Katrina, like Harvey. Now we got Irma out there to continue to push the notion of the American um, being the insurance policy for everybody else. Right now, we've got FEMA putting out there that if your home is destroyed, go through your insurance company first. And then whatever the insurance company doesn't pay, the American taxpayers will pick up the tab for. Yeah. What? Uh, I I hate to sound heartless, but you know (laughs) what? I have a lot of clients in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. They had back-to-back, they had Irene and Sandy. Yeah. Okay. Talk to those people about how wonderful FEMA is. Yeah. Well, I know. Okay, so it sounds really good. It's not going to happen. Well, you know, we spent how many, uh, well, I know what FEMA did in, after Katrina, and I know all the people that took advantage of it and, and lived in trailers when they could have they could have gone and paid rent or bought a home, and they just, they lived off the taxpayers. There is a tax plan now. Because well, while no, the, but it couldn't have been, how many were, were living in the trailers? A lot. 30,000? I want to shift gears because when the time <laughs> we've got left, no, because I want to talk about Hawaii, because what happens is every time there's a tragedy, the left tries to exploit it for more and more and more power to push for more and more socialism. Um, they their policies of overtaxation and regulation have have driven businesses out, left people unemployed. And what does the left do? Instead of wanting to recognize how they've destroyed the economy with a lot of their liberal policies, like in Hawaii, their solution now is, like in Hawaii and other places, it is to come up with what is called a oh, I think I gave you the article. You've got universal the income. Yeah. Universal income. And what that means is guaranteed income. Whether or not you've got a job, whether or not you've got the skills to get a job, you're going to be guaranteed an income. So what that what the Republican Party has not done is they have whether or not they're in power, they let the left continue to push for more and more and more and more and more, just like we never take back an entitlement. The left continues to gain ground. Now, here's the next move in this country, and it is to guarantee everybody an income. So then where's the money going to come from? Well, this article says, well, it's going to come. It's going to be decided by political leaders, i.e. translation from taxpayers. That's who's going to pay for it. Well, maybe they'll do it in Hawaii and California. That's not that's not the whole United States of America. Yeah, but so I said maybe. So I I don't see that we're going to go that far towards complete socialism. Well, I say guaranteed that, income is not a good thing if you want to be the United States of America, the land of opportunity. The opportunity will wash up if everybody's on the dole. 
Well, yeah. That's just how it is. Yeah, because what's going to end up happening is this just gets us closer and closer to um, 51% of the takers and 49% of the makers, and that's when we're done. But the fact that this has already been passed to for a vote, Hawaii state lawmakers have already voted to explore the idea. The fact that it's even gotten this far and no Republican is screaming about this, no Republican is pushing back on it. They are. They, we have become a one-party system of big government. They just want to be able to control uh, the purse strings. They're what, not for what? limited government. They're not of giving the power back to the people. Hawaii's probably like California. We can't even get a third of the of the legislature Republican. Mm-hmm. We're dominated by the left. Yeah, California. Yeah. Sounds and how like did, Hawaii's the same. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, yeah, we've been dominated. And once in once California, California is gone, it will never be Republican again. And if the Republican Party doesn't push oh, back I against go that, far. <laughs> well, I say we, well, how are we ever going to take the state back? Particularly when we've got open borders. We're not going to. When you let you. Well, we need a, we need a, a Reagan. Uh, Reagan was very successful amongst the, the last of the really successful Republican governors. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, we haven't had an imitation yet. Well, we thought that it was going to be Schwarzenegger, but the problem is you can have a Republican governor, but when you've still got the, it's it's kind of like having a Republican in the White House, but if you still have uh, liberals running Congress, what are you going to accomplish? It's the same thing here. And Reagan in part, did it. And in, well, twice. Well, it did it in California. But it did you know it in what? the U.S. I would say, I would say, suggest this to you, because and then I got to wrap it up. Um, I think the difference is is that Reagan, the Democrats during Reagan's era, were not the full-on socialist Marxists that we have now. They were people like Tip O'Neill. And and even when Bill Clinton was in office in the 90s, the Democrat Party was a different party. JFK would be considered a right-wing crazy extremist. <laughs> now, Al Arias... He cut taxes. Yeah, he did. He cut taxes. All right, tell people how they can get a hold of you, and then I got to go to Stink of the Week and Hero of the Week. 619-296-2123. If you want to reach me on my cell phone, it's... 619-884-7503 or avarius at avariusco.com. All right. We're going to get in next time you hear into some actual tax policies once they've actually put forth what their plan is. Good nobody, luck. Yeah, nobody even knows well, what that is. Gonna wait till I know. I keep hoping I'm going to actually be able to discuss some policy proposal <laughs> with you. It ain't happening. All right. Stink of the week. Stink of the week, speaking of Hurricane Harvey, while American citizens were completely destroyed by a hurricane, we had Miss Sharia Law, Miss Advocate for Women being, you know, stoned to death uh, and gay people being, you know, um, subject to the death penalty for being gay. We had Linda Sarsour actually pretending to fundraise for, as she tweeted, donate to Harvey Hurricane Relief Fund, which ended up having absolutely nothing to do with anybody suffering, any of the victims in Harvey. It was a fraud. She should be indicted for fraud because she fraudulently uh, preyed upon the victims of Harvey to raise money for her political organization. Literally, she should be visited by the federal authorities for propagating this fraud. Because you know what? That's a scam. You can be indicted for running a scam to raise money uh, wrongly uh, exploiting a crisis. My hero of the week actually comes from a Republican. Here, I bust the Republicans a lot. He's Arizona State Representative uh, Bob Thorpe, who called out Senator John McCain for failing, and I'm reading from townhall.com, for failing to show his constituents respect. He busted uh, McCain for criticizing President Trump for his uh, Joe Arpaio pardon, uh, given that Obama pardoned a record 1,927, one of which um, it involved a... um, 
uh, Manning, who was treasonous, um, he said that he can forgive McCain for slandering Arpaio, but not for his failure, quote, failure to protect Americans from those who have not shown respect for the rule of laws. He went on to say radical, violent mobs seeking to destroy our history have been taking their toll on our republic, but so are the elected officials who encourage them, as well as those in our Republican Congress who don't want to do the job we elected them to do, who instead spend their time defying the president and his agenda. Boom. Boom. Thank you, Arizona State Rep. You are my hero of the week. Love you, Al. Thanks for being here. Thank you to my amazing guest today, Dr. Keith Ablo, immigration attorney Esther Valdez. Thank you all for watching on Facebook Live and listening. Thank you, DJ Carrot Sticks. More Andrea K. Show next week. Same time, same station. Have a great week. Love you all. No, no, no.